It would have been very early on that first Easter. The sun would have been peaking over the horizon and that color of the sky that you only see if you get up early in the morning when it's just peaking over would have been flooding the landscape. The women, the three women would have been exhausted. No doubt they didn't sleep that night. They would have been in shock, in pain, confused, afraid, brokenhearted, and overwhelmed with grief. What do you do when you're overwhelmed with grief? When you experience a loss so overwhelming that it crushes you? Well, it depends, doesn't it? Some of us will try to suppress it and deny the reality of what has happened. Some of us will try to make sense of it. We'll try to wrap our mind around, around what has happened and, and look for the reason why that never seems to come. Some will withdraw into a shell, shutting out everyone and everything. Some throw themselves into work or anything that can keep them from being swallowed up with a loss, the pain of that loss. And some of us cope simply by going back to our daily routine, by, by taking action, by doing something that helps us to keep moving forward, that makes us feel useful, that life does make some sense, that helps us to feel close to the one that we've lost. I think that last response is probably what's going on here in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, our passage for this morning. These three women, they gather spices to go and anoint Jesus, and they head to the tomb. Now, why, um, why hadn't this happened before? Uh, why hadn't this been done before Jesus' body was placed in the, in the grave? I mean, it'd be kind of like maybe we, we bury somebody, and a couple of days later we go back to the grave, and we said we dig it back up and we, because we want to put in the, the person's Bible or a, or a wedding ring or a watch or something that was important to them. Well, remember, remember the story of Jesus' crucifixion. Remember when it happened? It happened Friday. And Jesus died in the afternoon. And, and sundown came, and the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath, began. And, and no work could be done on the Sabbath. And certainly, you could not handle a dead body that would make you unclean. And so since there wasn't enough time before the Sabbath began, Jesus' body was hurriedly taken down from the cross and placed in the tomb owned by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. So it's Sunday morning, it's daybreak, the sun is just coming up, the Sabbath is over, and these three women set off to do what normally would have been done shortly after Jesus had died. They buy some spices, which would have been in liquid form, in, in precious jars, and they carry these jars full of these spices, and they head to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. It was their way of showing love and respect and devotion to the man who had impacted their lives so deeply over the past few years. Let's take a look at the three women. Salome was one of the women. She was the mother of two of Jesus' disciples. She was married to a man named Zebedee, and their two sons were James and John. She was there at the cross when Jesus died. Another of the women was named Mary. She was the mother of James, one of Jesus' followers also, and she too was at the cross on that Good Friday. And Mary Magdalene, last but not least, had the most dramatic story of them all. When she had met Jesus, the scripture tells us, she was, she was very ill. She was possessed by demons. And Jesus delivered her and brought her healing and wholeness. He radically changed her life as well as the other two. So here they are. They're making their way through the morning light. And they realize that in the midst of their grief that they have forgotten something very important. Maybe you can relate 
picture in your mind, you set off to do something. You gather tools, materials, instructions, directions, and you head off. And just about before you to are to arrive, you realize, maybe because of fatigue or distraction or worry or simple absent-mindedness, but you've overlooked one major piece and you can't do what you set out to do. That's what's going on here. Because in verse 3, it tells us that the three women are moving along and all of a sudden it hits them. Wait a second, there's a huge stone, several hundred pounds, perhaps up to two tons, blocking the entrance to the tomb. And in verse 3, they ask a very practical question. But it's also a very theological question, a big life question, if you will, that Easter answers. Who will roll the stone away? You know, several years ago, my family and I rented a cabin in Colorado, and it had a small stream, maybe three feet wide and maybe a foot or so deep, maybe, maybe, maybe two feet deep. Uh, and and you know, our kids were at the age where they could entertain themselves for hours with a stream. And they decided one day to build a, a dam to kind of be like beavers. They built a dam to kind of back up the water. And so they used mainly rocks but a few twigs and things like that. Did a pretty good job, pretty good engineers, because the water slowed to trickle and began to back up and rise a little bit. Now, eventually, before we left, they removed the rocks and one by one until the water broke free like it was meant to. It began running again, freely flowing downstream. Kind of a metaphor, isn't it, for our lives? God has created each of us in his image and he has designed us to live abundant and full lives with him and with others. Lives where joy and love and peace and hope freely flow. But there are so many things in our lives that can block that, that can keep us from living our lives the way that God intended. For instance, it can be messed up priorities, unhealthy relationships, putting work before everything else, material gain, reputation, addiction, bad habits, and so on and so forth. And those things, those stones can be huge and they begin to pile up in our lives. And try as we might, we cannot move them. And we ask with the three women, who will roll the stone away? And the answer that we find in this first Easter story is that Jesus, the risen Christ, can and did move those stones. And because he did, our lives can be radically changed. And that's good news. It's great news that we celebrate this morning. So let's dig into that great news a little bit more. Who will roll the stone away, they asked. The first thing we want to pull out of this is that through Easter, Jesus Christ rolled the stone of guilt and shame away. So have you ever been halfway through a project? Let's go back to our idea of you're setting off to do something. You get there and you have everything you need. You're halfway through the project and you realize it's not going the way that you want it to. You, you want to start over. You want to do over. A lot of people feel that way about their lives. They get partway through the life, halfway through the life, a new chapter of their life, and they wish they could have a do over. I mean, we all have said things that we wish we had not said. We've all done things we wish we had not done. We've all thought things that we wish we hadn't thought. We all, in other words, have regrets, things we wish we could change. We all, to a degree or another, have guilt. And if we carry guilt around long enough, 
then shame jumps on for the ride. Guilt tells us that we've done something wrong. It's not necessarily a bad emotion. If it corrects us and gets us back on the right path and helps us to make things right with other people or with God, it can serve its purpose. If it's coming from a healthy place. But shame is different. Shame tells us that we ourselves are wrong. We feel guilt for what we've done. We feel shame for who we think we are. But the good news of Easter says this. Colossians 2.14 says, Jesus has forgiven all our sins and canceled every debt we owe. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. It's, It's God's personal amnesty program, his pardon program. Jesus Christ nailed all our sins to the cross and he paid the debt for my sin and for your sin. He was hung on a tree for our hangups. He was nailed to the cross so we don't have to keep nailing ourselves over and over to the cross for the things we've done. And because Jesus Christ is who he said he was and because he went to the cross and because he rose from the grave, my sins and your sins, our past, can be forgiven. And we don't have to carry a load of guilt and shame around anymore. There's this great verse, a short verse in Romans, 1, uh, Romans 8, chapter 1. It says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those of us who are of a certain age, you know what the Etch-a-Sketch is. Maybe you remember those? You'd play with them and you'd turn the knobs and a little line would kind of, you could, you could make pictures. And if you didn't like the picture, it was simple. You just shook it, turned it upside down, and it was like it never happened. It was clean, clean slate you could start right over. Romans 8, 1 is kind of like that. It's God's Etch-a-Sketch verse in the Bible. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ wipes our slate clean when we put our trust in him. And what that means is you can walk out of here today knowing that every single one of your sins, even the ones that nobody knows about, even the ones you're most ashamed of and feel the worst about, every single one of your sins is completely forgiven when you come and put your faith in the risen Christ. No condemnation. Jesus himself said, the Son of Man does not come into the world to condemn the world, but to give his life as a ransom for the world, to save the world. Through Easter, Jesus Christ rolled the stone of guilt and shame away. The next stone that gets rolled away is the stone of the power of sin. Romans 8, 2 declares, through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I've not seen it yet, but I've heard that the, the new Batman versus Superman movie's out. Okay, so if you've seen it, don't tell me any, any of the punchlines or how it goes, okay? But personally, I'm a big Superman fan. I'm hoping that, you know, he I mean, he's a, he's a, a small-town Kansas boy. Batman's a rich billionaire's son. I mean, come on, you know, you've got to root for, for Superman. Why are these movies so so popular right now? There's dozens of, of superhero movies coming out in the last few years. There's a lot of reasons. One is it's just kind of good fun. There's lots of action. The characters are kind of cool. But I think maybe there's something deeper going on. At some level, we all realize that we need something greater than us, a power greater than ourselves in this world and in our lives. We're not meant to live this life on our own power. That's what Paul is talking about, the, the law of sin and death. 
it's, it's the tendency we all have as human beings to try to justify ourselves in the eyes of others or in God. It's, it's performance-based religion. It's trying to earn our salvation by being better than most of the people around us. That is a road that will lead to failure and to spiritual death. And if we try to go down that road, we'll end up defeated, stuck, and frustrated. But the good news of Easter says this in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. How incredibly great is his power to help those who believe in him, who believe him, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. And what that means is that no matter what tomb holds us captive, no matter what stones block our path and our way, no matter what sins we struggle with, Jesus can roll away the stone and set us free. There is no situation, no circumstance beyond his power or beyond his control. But we have to believe that. We have to choose to believe and live by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the resurrected Christ that lives within us. So let me ask you a question. Could anybody here today use a little bit more power in their lives? Maybe what God is inviting you today to do is to simply say, God, let the power of the resurrection be released in my life. Because maybe there's a stone that needs to be rolled away. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's a, it's a problem at work. Maybe it's in your faith. Maybe there's a habit or addiction that you cannot shake. So maybe your next step today is to move from believing intellectually in the risen Christ to living with him and through him, through the power, the same mighty power that raised him from the dead. Next, through Easter, Jesus rolled the stone of death away. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 57 is a verse that we usually read at the graveside. It says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it would be, I'd be remiss if I did not talk about death on Easter. I mean, after all, that's kind of a big part of the story. And let's face it, every one of us is going to die at some point. I'm going to die. You're going to die. And only a fool would go through their life unprepared for something that they know is inevitable. But sometimes we can get so busy in our lives or we don't want to stop and think about our own mortality. I mean, people don't like to talk about death. I mean, if you don't believe me, invite your friends over, have some coffee and pie and say, let's talk about death tonight. See how that goes. Some kids were asked to write sentences about what they believed about death. Gilda, age eight, said, when you die, they put you in a box and bury you in the ground because you don't look too good. True. Stephanie, age nine, said, doctors help you so you won't die until you pay their bills. Oh, let that lay there. Marsha, age nine, said, when you die, you don't have to do homework in heaven unless your teacher is up there, too. And Raymond, age 10, said, a good doctor can help you so you won't die. A bad doctor sends you to heaven. The fact is, everybody has a deep internal longing to know what is next. What happens when we take our last breath in this world? What happens when we die? 
You know, most of us are going to have 60, 70, 80, maybe 90. If a few of us will be blessed with maybe 100 years. But in the scope of eternity, that's just the first inch of the yardstick. It's preschool for what's going to be happening in eternity. But because of Easter, we don't have to face death afraid. We don't have to be unprepared. We can face it with confidence because we know that Jesus Christ has rolled away the stone of death once and for all. In John 11, there's a powerful scene where uh, Jesus himself is standing before the stone to the tomb of one of his very best friends, Lazarus. He's standing there with, with Lazarus' two sisters, Mary and Martha, and, and of course they're stricken with grief. And Jesus himself, we're told, is crying. He's weeping. Because death is not what God intended. Death was not a part of God's original plan. God didn't create the first human beings to be temporary. They were created to live forever with him. And we know the story in the scriptures. They fall into sin and, sin and with sin comes death. But here in John 11, Jesus gives us a foreshadowing of his own death and resurrection. And he tells the crowd that death will not have the final word. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Which is a critical question for every person to answer. Later in the story, a few verses later, Jesus tells them to roll the stone away. And Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And because of Easter, Jesus can do the same thing for you and me, for all who believe. He can roll the stone of death away. Finally, through Easter, Jesus established himself as the stone upon which we can stand. The Apostle Peter quoted the prophet Isaiah in 1 Peter 2. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. On that first Easter, before the women showed up and they were asking the question, who's going to roll the stone away? The stone had already been rolled away. So that a much better stone, a life-giving stone, a firm foundation, a precious cornerstone would be put into its place. And humanity's three greatest enemies, death, sin, and Satan, all were defeated. And they no longer need to have power over us. And now we have something we can build our lives upon, the person and power and presence of the risen Christ. And we have something we can stand upon, the principles and the promises of Jesus. And we have someone we can trust in for the forgiveness of sin, to deal with our guilt and shame problem, Christ who died and rose again. Someone who we can always trust, who loves us beyond comprehension, who offers us amazing grace, who will never leave us nor forsake us the Lord of life and of death, the cornerstone that defeats death and brings life. On that first Easter, the women asked, who will roll the stone away? Little did they know that the one they went to anoint in death had already done the deed for them. And he's done it for you and he's done it for me. And because he did, we can have life forevermore. I'm going to close with a prayer. 
and give those of you who want to say yes to Jesus Christ an opportunity to pray along with me and make a decision to follow and embrace the risen Christ. Jesus, thank you for, for Easter, for the empty tomb. Thank you that you died on the cross <laughs> for my sins. Thank you that you are risen from the dead, that you're alive and here today. I need your help, Lord. I need your forgiveness. I need your power in my life to strengthen me, to help me in my doubt and my fear and my sin. I trust in you. I believe that you are who you say you are, the Son of God. I believe that you're risen from the dead. Come into my life and give me new life. Change my life and help me to live for you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.